back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is episode 10 of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. We are officially into double digits here, as crazy as that may sound. I am Zach Fodor, joined, as always, by my host from Indianapolis, or I guess Muncie now, uh, Sam Thillman. Sam, how are you doing? How are things on campus? Uh, they're doing fine. We've been, um, we're still on campus, so thank goodness for that. But just chugging along, watching some sports, watching some college football since that recently started and whatnot, having a good time. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch any games on Saturday? What games were on Saturday? I was mostly watching the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got a chance to catch a little bit of Army and Middle Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. That one wasn't very competitive. Memphis and Arkansas State, that wasn't a bad game Saturday. I, I did catch part of the BYU game that everybody was raving about on um yeah. uh, what was it, Saturday as well? That well that that was actually Monday evening. That Monday, was like the, okay. the standalone uh Monday game, yeah. Navy, I guess it came out after the game that Navy has not been hitting in practice. And uh watching that game, that makes sense because they couldn't tackle anyone, they couldn't block anyone. We want to talk about a blowout. BYU really and, gave it to them there in and, their home stadium. And I want to go on a little rant. Stop calling things locks. Everybody <laughs> yeah, is yeah. calling Navy a lock, and I'm just – I'm tired of it. I told my buddy to put uh, money down on BYU, and it, it panned out because people should just stop talking when they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, people who speak in certainties like that, I find often don't know what they're talking about. So I, I would agree with you there, Sam. But, uh, but anyway – uh, some other other news to to break down here, Sam. There, there's been an interesting proposal uh, in the works here that uh, Jeff Goodman just tweeted out a little bit uh, earlier today um, about potential start of, of basketball season and the winter sports. Do you want to maybe break that down for us? Um, yeah. So if you haven't been following on Twitter, universe the basically the ACC ha- had originally proposed the idea to have an all inclusive um, NCAA tournament, which means every team from the division one would get to participate. And it just came out that Jeff Goodman tweeted that the coaches from the ACC just finished the call and voted unanimously on this. So that makes for an interesting thing because it, even if the ACC approves it, I'm pretty sure every league would have to approve it and then the NCAA would obviously have to approve it. But it's an interesting proposal. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Zach, but like it's, it's making me kind of curious to see how like the format would be like, would they still do the same four regions? Would they seed each team? Like, I, like, I don't know all that. Like, three, there's, like, over, like, 300 teams in Division One, so I don't know how they would exactly do it. Yeah, I, I would like to see the details as, as they get released. I'm not sure the logistics and how they'd pull this off. I mean, when you look at Division One basketball, that's 353 schools that participate at the D1 level. That is one heck of a big tournament there. So I'd like to see kind of the the timeline of it and how long it's going to take, what the regions would look like and what the travel would look like for the teams. If that's going to mean, you know, I would imagine 353 teams making the NCAA tournament would mean, I'm, obviously that tournament would take longer to complete. And I, I feel like it would probably mean they'd have to finish the season a little bit earlier. So I, I'd be curious to see the um, – you know, the, the extended er, details of this and, and what it all has in store, because it's an interesting proposal. I love the NCAA tournament. And if this means more NCAA tournament games, that would be cool. But on the other side of the fence, we also have, you know, there's been some news that's come out over the last week or so 
that the, there's NCA committees that are pushing for November 25th as the start date for college basketball season, which is about two weeks later uh, than it would typically start. I think the, the, the first day this year was slated to be November 10th. So if you're going to push that back two weeks and then you're going to expand the NCAA tournament, I'd be curious just timing wise how they would fit all those games in necessary uh, to play. I'm assuming it would probably mean conference only games, which is fine, but you still have a shorter window to fit all those games in. So that's really curious to me. I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, I think everyone else is going to have to approve that. I, I know the ACC is just floating it as a proposal. I don't know how likely it is, but it's certainly an interesting idea. Yeah, and that would mean 12 teams from the MAC in the NCAA tournaments. And I'm just curious, would there be teams getting first-round buys? Because you got to think about it. If there isn't, there's like over 100 games that has to be played across the board in the first round, which just brings up an interesting part. I know there's talks about a bubble. Um, I just like to throw out the idea. I asked the call to action guys like two months ago about the bubble before everybody started hopping on the street. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. But I'm just I'm just curious about the logistics. Is it going would it be in a bubble? Like, who, how, like, are you going to have like the committee sit down and rank each team one through three hundred fifty three, and then right. let's say um, North Carolina Central playing the number one seed in Duke? Like, I'm just I'm just curious because it's just a proposal now. What it all it like involves? Yeah, I agree with you. And if I'm being honest. Uh... I think the likelihood of this getting approved by everyone that needs to approve it and actually happening, I, I find it very unlikely. I, I can't imagine they would actually have 353 teams in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't, I mean, maybe they do end up doing some type of expanded tournament. Maybe they go 64 to, you know, 128 or whatever, you know, something like that and just add an additional round. I don't know, but nonetheless, you know, it's, it's still, we're still kind of in that holding pattern waiting for spring sports and, and waiting for um, even winter sports, waiting for some type of direction. I know hoops practice is supposed to start here just within the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, these conferences have, you know, a little bit of time still to figure this out, but, but not a ton. The, the clock is definitely ticking on spring and winter sports. Anything else there that you wanted to touch on, Sam, before we move on? Um, not really. Uh, we were talking before on air and the NCAA is supposed to uh, release their kind of format, supposed to release, who knows if they actually are going to, next week, uh, September 16th. So hopefully by then we can get some answers uh, as to what's going on for a winter season because let's be honest, we haven't heard anything. We've heard everybody just talking about football season and whatnot, but as you mentioned, practice is supposed to start within the next month or two months we, we need answers. Yeah. I, I know I, I know I want to see what Ball State's doing. I, Akron released their schedule, their first like tentative game or like the first schedule game is like in January. So I'm just I'm just curious to see what we're all doing. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and Sam and I were, were joking before we uh, started recording here that, you know, the NCAA said they'll announce this on September 16th. So maybe by October 1st, we'll have an answer from them. Uh, we, we know they like to delay things and, and, and kick the can down the road. So we'll see how that goes. Um, in some other news affecting the Mac here, obviously this past weekend was a cut down day for NFL rosters and NFL camps. Obviously week one of the NFL getting started this weekend. So uh, teams had to trim their rosters from 90 down to 53. And Sam, I know that, uh, you know, that affected quite a number of, of Mac players that were either undrafted or, um, you know, had, you know, been a couple years in the league that were in camps waiting to see how, you know, their uh, season might play out. So do you want to maybe break that down quickly for us? 
Um, yeah, we've got a bunch of names for me. I'll start with the Colts. They waived a fellow Bulls or fellow Kent State guy in Roosevelt Knicks this past week. Uh, Danny Pinter coming from my school um, actually made the 53-man roster. And when I was looking at Colts.com, it said he's the uh, top backup for both center and guard. So I'm looking for that. Let's see. Cooper Rush, I know um, James is a big fan of. He got released by the Giants, unfortunately. A couple others, Storm Norton from Toledo made the 53-man roster. Levante Bellamy, unfortunately, got waves. And uh, Sam Sloman coming from Miami, the kicker, actually made the Rams roster as the starting kicker. So good for that. Is there any other names you'd like to um, cover, Zach? Uh, no, I was I, I was glad you touched on Levante Bellamy. I was really hoping he might find a way to catch on there in Denver. I still think that he could find his way onto an NFL roster, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, starting on a practice squad somewhere or whatever the case may be. He was just so electric over his time at Western Michigan that I, I really felt like, uh, you know, I, I really was hoping that he might get a chance there. However, obviously this season with, with no preseason games, it makes it tough for some of those guys that went on draft or even those guys that got drafted in the later rounds. You don't have those opportunities to, to show your, your best stuff on tape. I was also really surprised that, uh, that Rosie Nix uh, was waived by the Colts. As a Steelers fan, you know, Rosie was a guy who we had in our backfield for, for many years as a fullback. He actually made the Pro Bowl back in 2018 with the Steelers. So he's had himself quite a uh, quite a career uh, in the league, and I, I was surprised to see him get cut. However, I think that's probably more of a um, an indication of the way that, you know, the fullback position is going. It's not something that is heavily as utilized as it used to be. And I was also really happy to see Sam Sloman stick there in, uh, in L.A. with the Rams. I know I don't know if anyone here has been watching Hard Knocks, but the Rams and the Chargers have both been on Hard Knocks so far this year, and so it's been cool to see um, Sam Sloman on there a little bit, and it's been it's you know cool to see him make that roster. Obviously, he was um, you know second team All America last year, uh, named by the Athletics. So there's still even though a lot of these guys um, ended up getting waived, Sam. I mean, there's still a lot of MAC talent on NFL rosters this fall uh, on Sundays. I know I'm going to be excited to see how some of those guys perform. And I'm sure I know like Danny Pinter and some of those guys from Ball State. I know those are your guys. You're going to be excited to see how they play as well. Yeah. And if you want to check out all the lists, check out on hustlebell.com. They give you the rundown of the complete roster cut day tracker. But I'm sure these guys will get chances from um, elsewhere. A lot of the times these guys either sign to the practice squad or get picked up by another practice squad. So this isn't the end of the road necessarily if you're a fan of, let's say, Ladarius Mack, who, who is the brother of Khalil Mack. I'm sure even though he got waived, I'm sure some other team will try to scoop him up. But, yeah, that's, that's, basically, that's basically it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and you'll see on the list that, that James compiled on the Hustle Bell website, a lot of these guys did get waived with an offer to go on to the practice squad. So even – I looked this up earlier because I was curious, Sam. Um, you know, even these guys that are on practice squad washers. So obviously, first of all, practice squads are expanded this year. So some of these guys will have, you know, additional opportunities perhaps to get called up to, to the main, you know, 53-man roster throughout the season. But also, uh, these guys on these practice squads, man, they're getting paid $8,500 a week to be on the practice squad. So even though some of these guys might not have reached the ultimate goal of making the 53-man roster, they're still, they're going to be doing just fine uh, collecting that check every week. Uh, throughout the football season. Fingers crossed, hopefully some of those guys can, can find their way onto a 53-man roster. So that's about it for the news this week. It was a pretty slow 
uh, Newsweek as it pertains to the Mac. Uh, before we move on to our results from week one of our What If Shin uh, season simulation, wanted to talk to you guys real quickly about Home Field Apparel. Uh, Home Field Apparel, which is the, the premier direct customer clothier for college sports fans and Hustle Belt, have partnered for an exclusive line of t-shirts. Pick up your Tuesday night or Jolly Blogger shirt on homefieldapparel.com right now, and you can save 20% off of your entire first purchase using the promo code HUSTLE. Every shirt you buy helps us out at the blog, and you'll feel good too, thanks to Homefield's exclusive 52% cotton, 48% polyester blend. Rep the best little blog in the Midwest today by going to homefieldapparel.com and using the promo code HUSTLE. All right, guys, so we started last week what we thought was going to be a really fun new kind of segment and, and some new interaction with you guys on Twitter. We're calling it the What If Shin, where we're going to be doing a, a season-long simulation of, of all of our MAC games. Obviously, this past Saturday would have been the first weekend of college football, uh, so we had a full slate of MAC games that we were simulating. We were able to post the, um, the box scores and some of the stats on Twitter. Now, I tweeted this out on uh, Saturday before we posted all the box scores. We did run into a little bit of a hiccup with some of those FCS teams where uh, the sites we're using don't have full rosters for them. So what we're going to do moving forward is that for the FCS games, which there's a couple this week, and then I think there's only maybe one or two more throughout the rest of the season here. So it shouldn't affect too many more games. But for the, the remainder of the games versus FCS teams, we're just going to, we're still going to set lines and totals for these games. And then the poll on Twitter is going to determine whether or not the Mac team wins and covers that game. So like, for example, this past week, uh, we had Akron minus seven versus Youngstown State. We weren't able to actually simulate that game, but Akron did win going away uh, in the poll on Twitter. So we're going to go ahead and give Akron the win and the cover this week for that game. Uh, but Sam, for the rest of those games that we were able to simulate, um, a couple upsets in there, some surprises. Was, was there anything there that, uh, that stood out to you as, as we look at, you know, the results from week one? I mean, I got to give a shout-out to my Ball State Cardinals. Get it done against – I know it is made in an FCS school at that, but still, coming in dominating at fashion, winning 45-10. to 10. They cover the shred of 24, so I'm feeling good about that for future weeks. You got – let's see what else. You got Central Michigan getting a big win versus San Jose State, 34-17. to 17. Big up to them. I think the shred was six. So, yeah, it's – we, there are some ups and downs um, for the rest of the MAC, but those are the two ones I was impressed by. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with either one of those. I got to be honest, the, the one that surprised me and that disappointed me a little bit because I got my pick wrong, I, I was really surprised to see Toledo go down there and, and lose to Tulsa. Even though it's a road game, those are never easy. I still really felt like Toledo's offense would get going a little bit more than they did. I do got to give a shout out to Brian Kobach, though, who uh, in this hypothetical game ran, uh, had 20 carries for 225 yards and three touchdowns. Brian Kobach was ready to go on Saturday for the Rockets. Unfortunately, um, I think their their defense might have overslept and they didn't get get out of uh, get out of bed in time. I mean, Shamari Brooks for Tulsa had 183 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Zach Smith for the Golden Hurricane was 20 for 33 with 275 yards and two touchdowns. So just too much on uh, offense for the Rockets to handle uh, going down there to Tulsa. We talked about that last week that, you know, Tulsa does have a good offense. They just weren't able to stop anybody. Well, the, that kind of played itself out. This game did go over. 
uh, the total, which I believe we had set at 66, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere in the 60s. So it did go over, and uh, the, the Rockets, unfortunately, did not get off to the start they would have liked coming off of last year's disappointing season. And, uh, and so, Sam, when we made our picks last week, I know you were tracking that. So why don't you talk uh, to our fans a little bit about how we did, you know, our records versus spread. I know you and I got a little competition going here throughout the rest of the season to see, you know, who, uh, who can pick more accurately. Uh, yeah, so uh, both of us did really well. We were both above 500. So it's really close. It's with a game of each other. I did manage a early week one lead. Nine and three. Zach still had a solid record of eight and four. No, no disrespect there. Eight and four, nine and three. So solid picks, especially on a simulation. Like it's just a guessing game at that point. But yeah, it's a super close race. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I think uh, the difference in our records there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was that Toledo game. I think you took the Golden Hurricane there, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, so, so that is what separates us thus far. Uh, so as of right now. Um, when you look at the max standings, uh, and, and we will post these on, uh, on Twitter as well. Right now in the West, you got uh, Ball State, Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan all sitting at 1-0. Eastern Michigan and the aforementioned Toledo both lost week one. So they're at the bottom of the division. They're both sitting at 0-1. In the East, uh, Akron actually finds themselves at the top of the division at 1-0 <laughs> after uh, defeating Youngstown State. I know that probably feels good for some Zips fans. The only other team in the Eastern Division that won their week one matchup was Ohio. So the Zips and the Bobcats tied atop the Eastern Division, both at 1-0. Bowling Green, Buffalo, Kent State, and Miami all looking to bounce back this week. So uh, let's take a quick look here, Sam, at, uh, at week two. Um, I'll, I'll run down through these uh, the, the matchups here and, and the spreads that we've set, and then i um, curious to get your thoughts. So we got some interesting games this weekend. Western Michigan slated to travel down to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats. Uh, we have the, the Bearcats as a 14-point favorite there with the over-under sitting at 52. Uh, Akron travels out to uh, Las Cruces, uh, New Mexico, to take on the New Mexico State Aggies. Um, there's a there's a game between two teams that can really use some wins at this point. Uh, we gave New Mexico the ed New Mexico State the edge there. They're going to be sitting at minus four only because they are the home team there. Over under there at 48. Uh, Miami Ohio looking to get back on track, taking on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, this is going to be one of the four games that we're not able to simulate this week. However, we are going to set Miami at minus 27 there with the over-under of 54. So, again, as long as Miami and these other teams playing FCS uh, squads, as long as they win their polls on Twitter this week, we will give them the victory. Uh, Ball State, your boys traveling up to Ann Arbor to take on the Wolverines. I know it's bittersweet for you, Sam. I, I think I remember you saying you were going to try and go to Ann Arbor for this one yep. if, if fans would have been allowed, if this game would have actually happened. So, um, hopefully – uh, you know, virtual Caleb Huntley and, and Justin Hall can, uh, <laughs> can, can show up and, and uh, give a good performance this week. We have the Wolverines right now sitting at 31-point favorites with an over-under of 51. Uh, Nebraska is laying 20 against Central Michigan Chippewas. The, the total there is 58. Eastern Michigan uh, has taken on the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. They travel to Ypsilanti. Uh, we have Eastern Michigan as uh, three-point favorites there with the over-under of 53. Kent State taking on Kennesaw State. That's another FCS matchup that we're not going to be able to, to simulate for you guys, but we do have the Golden Flashes as 23-point favorites with the total there at 57. Uh, Northern Illinois with an interesting matchup this week. 
traveling to College Park to take on Maryland. We have the Terrapins as 10-point favorites there. Uh, the over-under at 58. Uh, you know, Northern Illinois hoping that they can uh, recapture some of the magic when the last time they traveled to Maryland and knocked off the Terrapins uh, back in 2003. Uh, Ohio traveling to Boston College. We have the Eagles as uh, seven-point favorites there with a total of 49. Bowling Green taking on FCS Robert Morris from right down the road uh, from me here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we have the Falcons as 20-point favorites there with an over-under of 56. Buffalo also taking on a, an FCS team, taking on the St. Francis Red Flash. Uh, we have the Bulls as 28-point favorites there with the over-under at 59. And then we have the San Diego State Aztecs led by Brady Hoke taking on the uh, Toledo Rockets. San Diego State travels into the glass bowl. And we did make the Aztecs a small favorite in that game. Toledo is going to be plus two there with the over-under of 61. So for week two, I got a – I'm looking forward to Western Michigan at Cincinnati. I, I'm really impressed by the job Luke Fickle has done as the helm of Cincinnati. So it's going to be a big game for him and Western Michigan fans. I'm looking towards Akron, New Mexico State, if they can uh, double their wins from a year ago to two wins and keep this kind of uh, momentum going on. And is there anything else? And then Central Michigan, my final one, Central Michigan at Nebraska. I'm not a big fan of Nebraska so far. They, they've they looked lackluster under new, their new head coach. And, yeah, that, those are the three games I'm kind of excited about this week. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of those three. So, let's um, – without further ado here, why don't we go ahead and, and, and make our picks. Um, so, we'll start with uh, that first game you mentioned. So, Western Michigan traveling down to Nippert Stadium uh, to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, minus 14 for Cincinnati. Total there is 52. Sam, who do you like in that one? So we got, as I mentioned, Western Michigan at Cincinnati. I'm a big fan of Luke Fickle and what he's done. I'm going to go with, as much as I like Levante Bellamy, I'm going to go with Cincinnati minus 14, and I'm going to go with the over of 52. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. As, as much as I do think Western Michigan's going to have a good, or would have had a good year this year, I should say, um, I am also – I'm equally as high on, uh, on Cincinnati as you are. I really like Luke Fickle as a coach. And as much as I'd like to think that Treshawn Howard and that uh, Western Michigan defense can go down there and, and stop the, uh, the Bearcats, I know Desmond Ritter at quarterback was great for them in the dual threat last year. I expect more of the same. I would also take the Bearcats in this one. Um, I would probably lean towards the over there as well. I, I, I could see Western Michigan getting, you know, 14, 17 points somewhere in there. I could see this one being, you know, uh, you know, 35, 17, 38, 20, something like that. And then moving on to our next matchup, uh, we, another one you mentioned, Akron traveling out to New Mexico to take on the New Mexico State Aggies. Now there's, I mean, there's no way of sugarcoating this, Sam. These are two bad teams. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Akron hopefully getting, you know, building on the momentum from their week one versus Youngstown State. Uh, how do you feel about this one? What, what are you going with uh, for the Zips and the Aggies? You know, I've, I've um, been messing, we've been kind of in contact with Zips United. So I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to them and I'm going to stick with Akron. I believe they, they showed out with like a, over a hundred votes in our poll last week. I'm going to ride the momentum. Why not give Akron two wins on the season? Yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there, actually. And my, my handicap on this one doesn't really have anything to do with Akron, more so with, with New Mexico State. 
I know you're supposed to give team an advantage for, for home field, but I just don't think New Mexico State should be giving points to anybody, really. This is, a, this is not a great program. I, I do think that Akron has a little bit more talent on their roster, despite the fact that they went 0-12 last year. You also, you know, you had a lot of young guys starting that, that are having an extra year of experience. So I'm going to go ahead and take Akron plus four here. I could see this game uh, being a little bit more high scoring. So I, I would take the, the over of 48 as well. Mm-hmm. Same here. I'll, I, I didn't mention the over, but I will be taking the over as well. Yeah. Uh, as far as Miami and Arkansas Pine Bluff goes, again, this is going to be one of those FCS matchups that we're not able to simulate. Um, but but uh, if you had to pick this one here, Sam, what, which side would you be going with? I'm going to have to stick with the reigning MAC champions in Miami. It's an FCS school. I'm, I'm a big fan, or, fan, as I mentioned last week, in Blaine Gabbert, him being – or not Blaine Gabbert, Brett Gabbert, his brother. I confuse the two. Minus 27. I see that as an easy win for Miami rolling on into week three. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I, I would take the um, the Red Hawks and, and lay the points there. However, when I look at Arkansas Pine Bluff, they actually, they as offensively, they were able to put up some points last year. Um, so I, I could see them scoring a couple touchdowns in this game, but I, I still think Miami – uh, runs away with this one. I think this one goes well over the total, but I would also take uh, the Red Hawks minus the 27 there. Uh, so, so far, three games and three agreements from the both of us. Here's the one, uh, Sam. As a Ball State fan, you're traveling to Ann Arbor, yep. catching 31 points. Or do you take the Cardinals in this situation? I am. I, I see. I saw what they did last week, 45 points. I know it's against a main – I think they can at least put 7 to 14 against Michigan. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I'm just saying they're going to cover the spread of 31. I love Ball State's offense. I know Michigan's defense is tough. It's tough every year. But I like Ball State plus 31 over over 51. Yeah, I think this might be our first disagreement here, Sam. I hate to do it. I just think Michigan's defense is so, so good. And as much as I love Drew Plitt and Caleb Hundley and Justin Hall and the rest of that squad uh, that the Cardinals have on offense, I I just don't know how they would move the ball here. Um, I could see this one being, you know, I I think it'll be close to – Ball State will be close to covering. I just don't see it happening. I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan with the point or lay in the points here. And I also call this one to go under the 51. Um, I, I just, I don't see ball state being able to score much in this game as much as I hate to say that. Um, next one here is another Mac big 10 matchup. You mentioned this one in, in uh, your initial thoughts as well. Central Michigan, uh, Greg McElwain taking his squad down to Lincoln to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska's laying 20 there over under is 58. Uh, what do you think about this one, Sam? Uh, I like this. I like this in Central Michigan's favor. I have not been a fan of uh, Scott Frost and what he's done there in his tenure. I'm surprised personally that Nebraska hasn't fired him or hopefully they will pretty soon because I don't think he's done that a good of a job at Nebraska as people have liked. I'm going to go with Central Michigan plus 20 and I'm going to go under 58. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to also take Central Michigan on this one. I'll probably go over. Uh, the 58. I, I would like to see um, Central Michigan's offense go up against Nebraska's defense. Nebraska's defense, I mean, all around, I think Nebraska had a really disappointing year last year, and I think a lot of people expected Scott Frost to turn them around, you know, in the snap of a finger, and that really hasn't worked out for them. Um, I agree with you there. I, I, I think Central Michigan 
uh, with, you know, Khalil Pimpleton and some of the other weapons that they have returning. I, I think they have enough firepower to at least keep this within the number. I could see Central Michigan losing this game by, you know, 10 or 13, somewhere in that, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. All right, next up, we have another interesting uh, group of five matchup. We have the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina traveling up to Ypsilanti to take on the Eastern Michigan Eagles. These two teams did meet last year uh, down in South Carolina at uh, Coastal Carolina's home stadium. The, uh, the Eagles did end up winning that one 30-23. Uh, Sam, what do you think about this one? Um, I'm going to go with um, that may be unpopular. Uh, I voice um, that I'm just not happy with Chris Creighton. So I'm going to go with actually Coastal Carolina plus three in this one. And I'm going to say the uh, under 53. I thought we were going to disagree on that one. I thought you were going to go with Eastern Michigan, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm taking the Chanticleers on this one as well. Um, Coastal Carolina does have a good offense. They have a lot of talent returning on that offense. And that's kind of the opposite of, uh, of Eastern Michigan. Obviously, Mike Glass leaving is a huge loss for that program. So I think I would go ahead and take the Chanticleers uh, and, and, you know, uh, give me the field goal in that one. I, I would agree with you. I think that one goes under. Uh, next up, we have one of our other MAC FCS uh, matchups. We got Kennesaw State taking on Kent State. Anyone who didn't pay attention to Kent State last year, uh, these two teams did play, I believe, in week two of the season. And uh, Kent State needed overtime to beat the Owls 26-23. Uh, Matt Trickett's field goal in the second overtime uh, ended that one. So, Sam, uh, with that, we have Kennesaw State catching uh, 23 against the Golden Flashes. Obviously, uh, Golden, uh, Golden Kent State has improved uh, dramatically since the beginning of last season, which is why this line is where it is. Uh, which way would you go with, uh, with this one here? Um, I think it's considering they managed to put up a 10 points, which I didn't really think they would do against Penn State and considering how good a defense they is, I'm going to say uh, Kent State roll all the way here. I'll take minus 23 and I'm going to take over 57. I think they kind of undervalued Kennesaw State last year and I think they're ready for it this, this week and they're just going to prove why they're the better team. Yeah, this is one I'm actually – I was actually kind of going back and forth on this one as I um, – you know, I was making my picks because Kennesaw State, this is a team that won 11 games last year. They did make it to the FCS playoffs, and they actually won a game. They beat Wofford in the first round before they lost to, to Weber State. So I, I could see Kennesaw State keeping this somewhat close, and I actually think I am going to take the Owls plus 23 here. I don't think they're going to win the game. I don't think this goes to overtime again like it did last year. But again, given that this team is coming off an 11-win season when they advance to the second round of the FCS playoffs, I do feel that they could keep it within three touchdowns. So I'll take uh, Kennesaw State here in this one, and I'll also take uh, the over there. Next up, we have another MAC uh, Big Ten matchup. We have uh, the Huskies of Northern Illinois. Uh, Thomas Hammock takes his team to College Park to take on the Maryland Terrapins. Obviously, everyone remembers uh, Northern Illinois beating Maryland uh, many years ago. It's one of the iconic MAC upsets. Uh, Sam, what do you think? Does do the Huskies have the firepower to, to pull it off again here against the Terrapins? Uh, they're catching ten points. The total there is at fifty-eight. Uh, personally, uh, I'm going to go with no. I think, as I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of Thomas Hammock. I think Maryland's going to roll in this fairly easily. I could see at least three touchdowns Maryland potentially getting on Northern Illinois. I'm going to go with Maryland uh, minus 10, under 58. 
Yeah, I think uh, we, we're going to disagree on this one too, Sam. I think as a Big Ten fan, uh, Maryland is a, is a team that I got a chance to watch a lot last year. And I tell you what, the Mike Loxley era at Maryland has just not gotten off to a great start. This is a team coming off of a three and nine season, uh, one and eight in the in the Big Ten. Their only win there being Rutgers. And uh, you know, he's Mike Loxley's a great recruiter that gets great talent. He just doesn't seem to be able to put it together on the field. They have uh, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, to his younger brother, who transferred up from from Alabama this year to be the starting quarterback. He's he's unproven though. He is talented. I just think that um, I, you know, I'm I'm like you, Sam. I'm not high on Northern Illinois this year, but I'm even as low as I am on the Huskies. I'm even lower on the Terrapins. I don't think the Huskies win this game, but I just don't think Maryland is that good. Uh, I'm going to say that Northern Illinois keeps this within a touchdown. I'm going to take the Huskies plus ten, and I'll also take the under in this one as well. Moving right along, we got a matchup with the ACC here as uh, Frank Solich takes Ohio up to uh, College Park or Chestnut Hill excuse me, in, uh, in Boston to take on the Boston College Eagles. Uh, Boston College breaking in a new coaching staff this year as well. They're laying seven to the Bobcats. Uh, Sam, who do you like in this one? Um, considering it was, I think it was Frank Solich's birthday today. I've got to give it to Ohio today. So, yeah, I think that's the easy one. Give, give a man a win on his birthday. Why not Ohio minus seven against Boston College? Yeah, we're in agreement there, Sam. I think uh, this is a low-scoring game. I think that Ohio can keep it within a touchdown. I don't see Boston College scoring many points this year. Uh, they lost A.J. Dillon to the NFL, and they're breaking in a new coaching staff. And on top of that, there's not generally known as a, a you know a high-scoring, you know, potent offense. So I'm going to say Ohio State or uh, Ohio can keep this within the number. I also think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. So I'll take the under. I could see this game being like 17-14, something like that. Not a lot of offense to be found in that one, I don't think. Our next two uh, matchups here, uh, we can kind of combine them together because they're both FCS matchups. Uh, Robert Morris uh, is taking on Bowling Green. The Falcons are laying 20 at home with a total of 56. And then uh, Buffalo, also at home, is taking on the St. Francis Red Flash. Uh, the Bulls are laying 28 there with the total being 59. Uh, Sam, any strong opinions on either one of those games or you, you think both MAC teams get the win and the cover there? I think they're both going to cover here. I know Bowling Green lost, I believe, 56 or 57 to 3. So they're looking kind of embarrassed. I know it's Ohio State, but no team likes to lose by over 50, let alone lose in general. I'm going to say they cover minus 20. And then I think as good as we, we have talked about how Buffalo is, I think they're easily going to cover there. Yeah, I agree with both there, Sam. I, I don't think either of these FCS squads have the firepower to match up with, uh, with Bowling Green or with Buffalo. Uh, St. Francis is a decent program. Robert Morris has, has kind of, you know, declined a little bit in the last few years. So I expect two runaway victories there for uh, the, the MAC squads, respectively. And then to, to close out this slate here, Sam, another interesting matchup involving Toledo, who, opened, who was supposed to open this season with, with two interesting matchups against other group of five teams. Uh, they're taking on the San Diego State Aztecs. Toledo actually a two-point underdog at home here, uh, in the glass bowl, the total there is 61. Toledo was what separated us last week, Sam. So what do you think about the Rockets this week? Do you think they got a chance to at least cover against uh, Brady Hoke and San Diego State? Um, considering Brady Hoke's the coach of San Diego State, I'm going to say yes, because I didn't like that he left in the first place. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Toledo in this one. I think they're going to cover. They were kind of embarrassed last – I wouldn't say embarrassed, but they lost by uh, tw uh, 12 – 
let Tulsa score 40 plus points, not a great look for the Toledo program. So I'm going to say they're going to be at home. San Diego State's flying in from California to Ohio, which is pretty a nice distance. So I'm going to go with uh, Toledo plus two on this one. Yeah, I'm with you there, Sam. I think coming back home after not starting the season the way they wanted to, I think this is a, a Rockets team that would be motivated in this spot. Plus you add in the, the travel for the Aztecs to fly in from California. You know, I, I just, I think this is a spot where Toledo needs to bounce back and really get their, their season back on the right track uh, if they want to get back to a bowl game this year. So that rounds it out for uh, week two of our picks. Um, we will post again, you know, our, the matchups and the polls on Friday, whenever we release this episode, uh, Sam, any, any final thoughts on any of our, uh, our matchups here for this week? Um, nope. Hoping Ball State can cover the spread because I don't want to get embarrassed by 50 like Bowling Green did against Ohio State. So I'm holding out for hope they can at least cover. I'm not expecting a win there, but hopefully we can get in, cover the spread in Ann Arbor. That would be a huge moral victory for me personally. Yeah, I hear you there. And one other thing I wanted to, to say here, guys, is that we're also going to be tracking the, the Twitter polls against the results that, uh, you know, of, of these simulated games. So we'll track Twitter's record as well versus the spread. Uh, and then we'll have a little three-way competition going here. Something to keep us all invested uh, as we kind of lament the fact that there's, uh, that there's no fall sports. And, uh, and even though fall sports may not be on the docket for a while, that doesn't mean there won't be ways to cheer on your favorite Mac squads. Starting this September, Hustle Belt will provide eSports coverage covering all 12 MAC member schools' inaugural season on the varsity eSports scene. Our very own Ethan Nelhad Dolan will provide weekly written updates on HustleBelt.com and will also host several programs on our newly retrofitted Twitch page, including weekly highlight reel breakdowns and, in, and an interview show. Follow HustleBelt on twitch.tv slash HustleBelt to keep up on the latest e-maction and stay tuned for more information on the formal schedule. And uh, speaking of esports, guys, we have an uh, exciting interview coming up here uh, as our next segment with the head coach of the esports program at the University of Akron, Sean Mitchison, joins us uh, for a conversation. We have a couple uh, Akron interviews here uh, lined up for you guys today as a result of, or I should say a reward of Zippy winning the Mac mascot uh, bracket challenge last week. Uh, Sam, any final thoughts on anything we've covered so far before we move into our, our uh, Akron interviews? Not really. Even if we don't get a uh, fall, we didn't get a fall football season, maybe we can all be in the tournament this year. That's all I'm, I'm saying. 351 teams going at it. I'm pretty excited that. Also, shout out to Zip United. They're the reason we got these interviews in the first place. So shout out to them as well. Yeah, definitely a big thanks to Zips United. You guys have been great on uh, on Twitter. And without further ado, we'll go ahead and get to the interviews. Again, first up here, we have Sean Mitchison joining us, the uh, head coach of the esports program at Akron. We think you guys are really going to enjoy both of these. All right, guys, and, and welcome back to another segment of the Mid-American Bandwagon product podcast here. Uh, in this segment here, uh, Sam and I are joined by uh, the head coach of the esports program at University of Akron, Sean Mitchison. Sean, uh, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, appreciate you taking some time to speak with us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks for inviting me. 
Yeah, no problem at all. No problem. So as I mentioned in the introduction here, you, so you are the head coach uh, mm-hmm. at, for Akron at, at, in the esports world. So yeah. for some of our listeners who might not be quite as familiar with, with esports, could you maybe just break down a little bit for us, you know, your background and kind of your, your path through um, the esports world and what it was that brought you to Akron? Sure. So uh, I've been working in higher education for about 10, 15 years now. Uh, a lot of my background is actually in information technology. But as I was, you know, working, I knew of a lot of students that really needed some more support for esports because it was something that I wish I had been able to do when I was a student. I've played a little bit in the collegiate scene, but basically what I wanted to do was help give these students something to do, something to, to grow on, to, to kind of work in a extracurricular activity that can also lead into professional field. And I got that started at Murray State. Um, Akron took notice of what I had done there. They said, hey, come on up. We really need a new head coach. And uh, we think you'd be a perfect fit. So now I'm here in Akron doing the exact same thing. A lot of of what I do related to esports isn't what a head coach of football would do per se. I don't build playbooks and things for every team because I manage seven teams what my job really is, is to make sure that teams are setting goals, teams are meeting GPA requirements, making sure that they're graduating, making sure that, you know, if they need help, I know how to get them the help they need for whatever issue arises, you know, and making sure that everybody's staying healthy and competing and, and all of that. So that's kind of the, the general basis of what a head coach of esports does and kind of how I got started in it. So is there, so that brings me, so is there a person who kind of does that like uh, game to game stuff like a head coach in another, like, is there another like position, I guess, in esports that like kind of covers game to game? Yeah. So if, if we only had one team at Akron, then the coach would be that person that also does build a playbook and schedules practices. Um, what we do at Akron, because we have such a community, I believe we have well over 2000 students at this point that are vested in esports and in some way, shape or form is we actually have two separate positions. We have an analyst and we have a team manager. So the team manager does stuff like schedules, practices, reaches out to other schools so we can do scrimmages, uh, Gets, gets the students like signed up for tournaments and things like that. The analyst is the person that is usually a much higher level player that doesn't have time to compete anymore, but wants to still be involved. Maybe they're on their senior year, their junior year, something like that. And they've got to really focus on studies, but they want to help. They come in, we do, you know, we go through our practices and I try to attend every practice I can with them uh, to make sure, you know, that there's always somebody there, but these analysts are able to say, all right, let's break this play down. Let's, let's rerun this, let's do these drills. And that's also a student. So those are both student positions. They also get a scholarship for participating at that level. Um, and they get to build a lot of real, real world experience to take when they graduate. Awesome. And, and to even take that a step further, Sean, I, I was curious about, you know, you've talked, you talked a little bit there about, you know, practices and, and what goes mm-hmm. on in a practice and, and working on set plays and stuff like that. What about, you know, growing up playing sports, you know, the, the other aspect of that is scouting the other team and, you know, watching film, stuff of that nature, building a game plan. Is, is that something that carries over to the esports world as well? Or, or is a practice? Okay. So I, I wasn't sure if yeah. a practice was more so just <laughs> focusing on your own team or, or doing some scouting, you know. Of, of so yeah, uh, generally 80 to 90% of, of practice in esports is actually scrimming other schools as much as possible. You find the other schools that are about the same the same uh, challenge level as you, uh, whether that be League of Legends or Overwatch, whatever. Um, you have them come in, you play 
for about two to three hours against each other. And then you do VOD review, you do video review of those matches. And another thing we do scout, obviously a lot of universities now that have bigger varsity esports programs have a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel and everybody posts all their matches. So we have access to all the video footage without really having to like ask anybody or, or deal with anything like that. Everyone just puts it up. So we have a way to kind of pre-scout people we're gonna be facing in future tournaments and things of that nature. Okay, okay, that's pretty cool. So I wanna kind of go shift gears to kind of your program specifically. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar, I would say Akron's like from what I've seen, esports, Rocket League especially has been really good. So how did you guys get to the level of you are? Cause obviously you guys are playing against people with the same kind of, you have the same Xbox or same controllers. What guys differentiates you from like being how good you are to just being okay, if that makes sense? So, you know, it does break down a little bit into natural talent, just like any other athletic competition. Uh, we, being University of Akron and a strong STEM school, a lot of the student body is already into computer technology related areas of study. So they're also usually gamers, which means these are the, these are the students that have been putting in countless hours and countless hours and countless hours when they were younger. Um, what really works for our Rocket League team, I think, is that they have just, they've grown together so well. You know, they all started as freshmen. They're still together. They're all high ranking. One of our players is actually a sub player for a pro team uh, currently. Um, so, you know, that has helped obviously with recruiting. So thanks to having a really good Rocket team, you know, for the first year, we're constantly getting more and more recruits that want to play on our Rocket League team and other esports. They're like, oh man, that Rocket team is really, really good. I want to go play Overwatch for that school. And that's just letting us find all of these really talented, really high skilled players. So you answered uh, part of my next question with your response there, Sean, was I was going to ask a little bit about the, the recruiting process here mm -hmm. for, for esports. Where do you, you know, where do you go to scout uh, you know, high school, high schoolers that, that you might be interested in or, or how does that work? But you, you answered it a little bit there in your last question. Could you maybe expand a little bit on sure. that just in terms of, you know, the day-to-day -day of, of recruiting for an esports program? Right. So a lot of our, our recruiting is actually done online, obviously. Um, quite a few Discord communities exist for high school esports uh, athletes and anyone looking to go to college. Uh, and and still compete in esports. So we do a lot of recruiting through that. Um, we also visit uh, quite a few different high schools and promote the program and promote, you know, the academic programs that we have available because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about coming to Akron to be an esports athlete. It's about coming to Akron and graduating and enjoying esports. But most of our recruitment revolves around that. We might go to, you know, if things were a little bit more normal Right now, we would be visiting big gaming tournaments, and we would do a little recruitment then because there's always fans, there's always younger, younger kids there who are looking at, at what esports is becoming at the collegiate level, and that kind of helps get them started. They'll start going, oh, man, I'm going to go back to my high school, and we're going to start a team. I'm going to get better so I can go to the University of Akron. That's the majority of our recruitment. Of course, we do tryouts and stuff just like any other sport would. Uh, we do those in the early spring, and then we, we make our decision about who's getting a scholarship. If they're coming to the University of Akron, we, we say, hey, you know, we'd really like you to be on the team. And that's kind of how the whole recruitment process works. Kind of touched earlier on the other sports. So we obviously know how good Rocket League has been, as you guys have proven. How do you – do you think your other esports can kind of rise to that level or do you 
like so how do the other esports programs compare to your rocket league sure um i'm our rainbow six siege team won a national championship last year their uh their analyst is actually on a a pro level team now he but he still helps as an analyst uh, but he doesn't play on the main team our overwatch team is also really close to a contenders level so we shouldn't have any problems there some of our other teams are a little bit newer and they're definitely going to use the motivation to grow and be at the same level as our rocket league game but i i foresee our our overall program staying pretty high high tiered against other colleges definitely awesome so Sean, I think Akron, it seems like, was a little bit ahead of the curve here when it came to, you know, investing in esports and, and, and building a program, at, you know, at the varsity level. Um, a couple months ago, we had our resident uh, esports uh, expert, Ethan Dolan, on our show, and we talked to him a little bit about the future of esports. And one thing that he talked about was kind of, you know, programs making investments in, you know, kind of esports arenas and being able to travel and do games live at you know you being able to travel to to Kent State or or Miami or Ohio or wherever to to you know to compete live um, is that is that something that you see in the near future for esports and I guess generally speaking what do you see you know the next five to ten years of potential growth for college esports what what do you kind of see that looking like. Sure. Um, I mean, Akron has three spaces currently on campus for esports. One of them is actually in the football stadium. Uh, we have big screens and stuff, so we do host LAN events when things are, you know, able to be hosted. Uh, and that's definitely something we want to continue doing, and we want to bring more MAC colleges as well as as other colleges in the tri-state area in uh, when they can to, to come compete at these things because the students love getting together in person just as much as they love playing online. So that's definitely something I foresee in the future. As for how Akron is going to grow over the next five to 10 years, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit. As long as we're performing, as long as we're still showing that this is a benefit to the student body and that they're, you know, getting good grades, keeping a high GPA and winning national championships, there's, there's nothing stopping us from, from growing bigger and bigger and making sure that it's a, a wise investment from the university's perspective. Okay. I, I'm kind of curious. This is just a random thought I have. I think there's a lot of, there's a stereotype in people's mind, especially in mind like surrounding esports and all esports players do is just play video games or like in your case, go to college and then video games. Do you, do you like, do you and especially your players do stuff outside of video games, if that makes sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of our students uh, have a pretty strict workout schedule. They like to follow on their own. They, they're weightlifters, they're swimmers, they're, they're mountain bikers. Uh, quite a few of us travel. I actually love to travel. I visit uh, my wife's family in Japan pretty frequently. Um, so it's not always video games, especially for the students, because, you know, they are wanting to graduate. A lot of these students aren't looking to go pro in esports. So they keep, they keep their minds open to extracurricular activities, to doing things that aren't just video games all the time, for sure. As you, since you've been at Akron, Sean, and as you've seen this program grow and, and have success, you know, what is the support like on campus for, for the program, you know, among the student body? Is it something like, like we've talked about Rocket League a little bit. I mean, does the average student at, on campus at Akron realize how good of a, a, a program you guys have when it comes to Rocket League? Or I guess, generally speaking, what's, what's kind of the, the 
um, atmosphere around esports on campus. Right. Well, I obviously haven't been there super long yet, but what I've been told is uh, a lot of the teams used to walk around campus with their jerseys on, and most of the student body was like, what's that? What's esports? What are they doing? And then after Rocket League won that first championship, run the Collegiate Rocket League championship, everyone was like, oh, are you on the Rocket League team? Oh, no, I'm on a different eSport. Well, that's awesome anyway. You know, yeah. once that happened, the awareness on campus just blew up. It's, it's huge. Everyone knows about us. Everyone, you know, comes and is very supportive. And, you know, we're trying to be a little bit more visual this year, especially because we don't have other Mac sports going on, really. So we want to make sure that we're still here. We're still supporting Akron. We're still pushing for everybody, you know. So we want to be that visual, that visual next step to make sure that Akron stays, stays, you know, known about. And this is just another random thought I had. So me and Zach, we recently started kind of Mac we we just finished this Mac mascot bracket challenge and if you haven't been following Zippy, the Zippy Akron won. mascot, yeah. won. So <laughs> just coming from a Ball State person, I like maybe maybe Zach understands. Maybe like I just don't understand. Like, what is your like? What is your fascination with Zippy? Basically, like <laughs> like I like I, I I just don't get it. Like I I'm supportive of Charlie Cardinal like that, but I'm like there's not a ton of people that are just like passionate about it around. Well, I mean, we've just got such a unique mascot. We have a female kangaroo mascot in Zippy, which is amazing. You know, you can't, you can't look at Zippy and feel down. You look at Zippy and you're very happy. You're ready to go. You're definitely, you're, your spirits get raised. And Zippy's come to quite a few of our esports events on campus. And everybody just loves seeing Zippy. So, yeah. Yeah, we, I tell you what, we were really, uh, we, we didn't expect that at all, the, the response we got from Akron fans on, wow, on Twitter. We're diehard Zippy fans, for yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, definitely, they <laughs> definitely was. Sean, the, the last question I have for you here, and, and I don't know if, if, if Sam has any more, if he wants to wrap it up after this, but the last question I had for you here, I'm, I'm curious kind of about the, the, the financial side of running an esports program, just in terms of, of you, know, you know, revenue streams, how, how mm -hmm. do... How does the program bring in money to help fund scholarships and stuff of that nature? Just curious about that because obviously, you know, potential revenue streams are very different here than they might be in a, in a tr more traditional sport. So um, could, you, could you maybe just talk to us a little bit sure. about that? So obviously we, we have donors just like any other sport would have donors. A lot of the revenue comes in from that. Um, we have a budget just like any other college department have budget. We work under student affairs. So that, that kind of comes through us, that financial. Um, a lot of the scholarships are actually won by the students. So for instance, if it's a $20,000 tournament that they won, like Rocket League won this past summer in college carball, um, you know, that's just scholarships. That's going to go ahead and pay for their whole semester. That's going to cover their whole year. So it's not as though we're investing a lot of money directly into the students. We're investing a, an initiative amount of money as a scholarship. And then every tournament they win, that's money that goes back to, to cover the rest of their bills. And that's money that goes into a scholarship fund to help fund other, you know, student athletes. And then of course we do stuff like we have summer camps, you know, when, when we can, we open the esports spaces up to, to rentals. Like if you wanted to have a birthday party or a corporate retreat or something like that, then the spaces would be available where you could come play Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo switch, PC games all the, all day long. You know, we have those kind of revenue streams. And of course, um, it's free access for students, but, you know, we were allowing the public to come in and they could pay for time to use these spaces as well, just during the hours of operation. Obviously, we can't do that now. So that's kind of took a little bit of a hit on our financials, but 
we, uh, you know, everyone kind of understands how that's going to play out. And it, uh, we've made cuts where we need to make cuts to make sure that, that we're still staying within a reasonable budget. Okay, I've got one uh, like uh, additional thing to ask you for that, and then I have another one as well. So to clarify, so when you guys won that tournament, that money, because so, there's a bunch of like debate over whether to pay students or whatnot, like just regular athletes in general. So when you won that tournament, that money went back to the scholarships and not to the like players to pocket, correct? Correct. They essentially pocketed it for the amount that they had left on their bill for the, the forthcoming semester, like any amount that they still had for tuition and fees and books and stuff that they needed to take care of. That was the first thing that it paid off so that they basically earned, you know, the, their semester for free. Um, and then the rest of the money does go back into the university scholarship fund to keep esports going for students. You know, it doesn't come back to us and the university doesn't get to do whatever they want to with it. It's money that goes directly to the students. Now, if these students do compete in things, not as a university of Akron student, like not as part of the team, that is money they are usually allowed to take with them, depending on the tournament rules and regulations. Like Fortnite has what are known as cash cups, which is a weekly tournament where anybody can kind of sign up and play and since it's not a collegiate sponsored event the the students can hop in there as themselves and compete in solo tournaments and make money and then that's theirs that's theirs to keep but when they are playing for the team it does usually go back into scholarship fund which goes back into giving more scholarships to students okay and then my last question before i don't know if zach has any left so looking forward five to ten years down the road are are you thinking about other games to add like what's what's the future of this akron esports program because you have success with all the games you mentioned are you looking to expand into other games are you looking just to solidify your place and kind of your success right now oh no we're definitely always going to be flexible in esports because the games do change popularity wanes and and you know you have to be able to adjust to that kind of thing we are looking at things like call of duty valorant you know um auto battlers we don't have any auto battler varsity team but that just got its first world tournament through league through riot games and it seemed to be pretty popular so you know if if the interest is there if there's a collegiate tournament for us to sign up for if you know they need varsity teams we won't have a problem fielding a varsity team that's that's the easy part the hard part is making sure that there are tournaments available for schools to compete in you know because we don't want to hop into just semi-pro stuff or amateur league stuff all the time. We really want to stay focused in the collegiate scene. We want to compete against other students and, you know, uh, com competition that we feel is on an equal level as far as responsibility goes. We want to play against students who have a 12 hour, you know, a 12, 12 class hour workload, you know, have to keep a GPA as well as practice esports and not folks that do have a 10 to 12 hour block every day to practice where, you know, the competition is really good, but it's not a level playing field. We would prefer that level collegiate playing field always. Gotcha. Well, great stuff, Sean. And we, we really appreciate you joining us today and uh, spending some time to, to inform our readers a little bit um, or I, our listeners, I should <laughs> say. So before we let you go here, um, just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of, you know, promote yourself or the program, any upcoming events uh, that you guys are, going to be participating in or hosting or anything along those lines. I wanted to take a, you know, give you a second to let the people know where to find you and where to find Akron Esports. Sure, absolutely. So uh, we are getting ready to start our recruitment drive uh, for the spring tryout. So university, uakron.edu slash esports. 
uh, you can check out the application to apply. We're looking for, you know, high school seniors, people that will be ready to apply to go to University of Akron for fall 2021. Uh, that tryout will occur in February. We don't have hard dates yet there. Uh, as for events going on, the one I really want to promote is we are running a semi-MAC conference Rocket League tournament this fall. So all 12 MAC schools have agreed to uh, combine forces and host a giant Rocket League tournament online. Uh, so there will be plenty of MAC rivalries going on this fall within Rocket League for sure. And then other, other things that we have going on, we're doing a Hearthstone Invitational. Uh, we've got a ton of schools already signed up for that. And we'll just be running through the regular seasons as far as esports goes until till Christmas. Great stuff. Well, Sean, we, we really appreciate it again uh, for joining us today. Everyone, that, Sean Mitchison, the head coach of the uh, esports program at the University of Akron. Sean, thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to, to having you on again someday soon. Hey, thank you. I'd love to be on again. All right, everyone. And for this segment here, uh, the Mac Bandwagon Podcast, we have uh, another special guest as we continue our string of Akron interviews uh, with uh, current and former Zips. Our, our uh, next guest here was the 2020 Mac champion uh, in the indoor pool vault. She was an all Mac performer in 2019 and 2020 uh, in the indoor pool vault. And she was also a all American uh, in 2018 and 2019 in the outdoor pool vault. Uh, we are joined now by uh, Lucy Bryan. Lucy, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for joining us. We, uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, first things first, always curious to learn a little bit about your background. So uh, we were chatting a little bit before uh, we started recording here. Obviously, you grew up in, in Bristol, England. So could you talk to us a little bit of, of kind of your, your path through like youth, you know, track and field and training? And how did you ultimately end up at Akron? Um, so back home, it's a little different. Like you don't really you don't really focus on like necessarily doing track in high school. So I did it out of school for a club since I was about 11. And then I, yeah, I started pole when I was 11, but I probably started athletics when I was about nine or 10. And then I did high jump and hurdles before and just one day saw pole and was like, wow, that looks in my stupid childhood mindset. I was like, wow, that looks dangerous. And never went back to high German hurdles. But then um, I obviously finished high school. I took a few years out and did other things like I did a cosmetology. Um, so like I'm a fully qualified cosmetologist. But then I was like, oh, I think I want to go to university. But I didn't want to stay in England. So I looked into universities and someone gave me a list of universities in America that were good for pole vault. And obviously a start of the alphabet Akron. That was just yeah. the first one I called. And I was like, hey, Coach Mitchell, like, can I come to your university? And yeah, he was basically like, take your SATs and call me back. And yeah, wow. four years later, that's here I am. So Very did you cool. get a scholarship offer or did you have to walk on? Um, I got a scholarship offer. I, as Zach mentioned, like listed all your accomplishments. So what, what's kind of the most like, what's your kind of favorite moment looking back on your four years at Akron? What's been your favorite like highlight there? Um, I think actually when I think about it, my last competition was indoor Mac this year. And because obviously nationals got canceled because of COVID. And my mom was there watching 
and I won, I think I, I think I got the meet record and that actually turned out to be my last meet as a pole vaulter. Like I decided to retire from pole vault now. So I think that was the most special to me, but winning men and women outdoor mech together last year, that was, that was also a highlight. That was a good one. Very cool. So you, you mentioned Lucy, uh, you know, your, your senior season, you're, you didn't get to finish the way you wanted to with the, with the NCAA championships being, being canceled. And I'm mm -hmm. sure, you know, all of your, your, your senior teammates and, and you know seniors across the country felt the same way. You know, what was, how did you, what were kind of the emotions involved with that at the time? How did you and the team kind of react to that whenever that news came down? You know, what's crazy is it happened and I was in Albuquerque for nationals. It was the day before my meet, it got canceled. And by the time we got back from Albuquerque, everyone had already gone home. So mm -hmm. I haven't actually really seen my team. So like together as a whole, like I haven't talked to them all about it and like had that sort of conversation with them. But obviously it's hard, especially like for the seniors that decided they weren't going to use that extra year of eligibility. So like I'm probably never going to see most of them again. Um, it's just kind of crazy. Like I, I still don't think I really know how to feel about it. I think I've accepted it and I'm just like, uh, it's whatever. Like I'm not the only one in the situation, but yeah. yeah. Luckily I didn't lose an outdoor season though because my eligibility was done after indoors. So sure. Sure. when I think about it, I kind of just tell myself it wasn't that I just missed nationals. I just think I just missed one meet. Good way to look at it. So yeah, for, it's easier. So for me, I think track and field, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, is one of those programs like many others outside of football and basketball that kind of get overlooked. So in the state of track and field, how do you think track and field can kind of attract new fans, essentially? Wait, rewind. You, did you say track and field gets overlooked? Like, like for me, like at least at Ball State, we we don't talk about track and field like if if no. at all. Maybe maybe I, that's different at Akron, but like for me, no. Ball State, we we don't really talk about it. I am um, that word just describes it perfectly. Anything that's not, if I say core sport, would you know what I mean? I don't want to. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we just get overlooked and kind of like put on the back burner, even if we're successful. Like for example, men's soccer team at Akron, so successful, but often they get overlooked as well for programs that are less successful, but supposedly bring in more money. Obviously I, I can't comment too much on the financial things, but yeah. um, you'd think the most successful ones would be given the most attention and love to kind of nurture them to be even better, but apparently not. But um, how to make it more successful in terms of like spectators? Like how do you, so like, I know MLB is trying to like kind of speed up the pace of play, like trying to implement new rules to get a new generation of fans. So how do you, how, how do you think track and field, like is there any way to kind of do that in a sense? Like, um, I think that's a difficult one because it's, it's like, there's only so fast that you can get the distance runners to run a 5K the 10k yeah. and you can't just cut events but i know like world athletics the world governing body they're trying to make it more exciting and make competition sort of three to four hours long so that people do want to watch it and do want to sort of engage with the sport but it is difficult because there's so many events and there's only like a so much like you you can only push these people to go faster 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 
but I know they've tried to like in long jump for example they're saying like only three jumps but for the long jumpers themselves that then ruins the competition for them but maybe it makes it more exciting for the spectators so I guess it's about finding that balance between keeping the athletes happy and also keeping the spectators happy but I, I don't think anyone's found that just yet. Yeah it, it feels to me like track and field is something that gets talked about you know every four years when the olympics come around and then everyone absolutely you know everyone kind of forgets about it again which is unfortunate because it can be really exciting to watch um so in terms terms of your career lucy obviously you know you mentioned you've you've used up your eligibility at Akron. Mm -hmm. um is there is there an outlook for you i mean is there any chance for you you know competing professionally or or any you know continued competition or are you looking to start another career now that you've graduated what's kind of the next step for you um I had intended to carry on for at least one more year, but with everything going on as someone that's not like a professional earning money from it, it's very difficult to sort of pay for like travel around the world to competitions. Cause it's not just like, Oh, I live in Akron. I'm just going to pop to green for a pole vault meet. It's more like I live in Ohio. I'm going to pop to Texas for a pole vault meet. Yeah. So it builds up and, and, it's one of those sports where you can't just sort of, oh, I'm just going to train a little bit here and there. It's like you either commit 100% or you don't. And I think because I've been so committed to it for the last 10 years, I've just kind of like, I've run out of that commitment to give. So I have decided to stop. Okay. Okay. But I'm happy. If you're happy, we're happy. <laughs> so, so you mentioned how you kind of got interested in pole vaulting and track and field. So, is there a big kind of fan base for track and field over in England, or is it just something you kind of like gravitated towards as a kid? Um, I think I, so. I always grew up in sports, so I was always going to be involved in some way or other. But none of my so I have three older brothers none of them really were into track like my they're all older but the one that's just older than me the one that plays soccer he was kind of into track was really really fast as a youngster um so I think it started with him doing it and then my mum was like oh I'm gonna send Lucy maybe she'll be good um but I think I think there is more fans I think it's a bigger sport over in Europe for sure compared to here because I think here everyone's just so focused on the baseball basketball football yeah um so yeah I'd say there is more support over there in terms of fans and and Lucy in your answer there you, you mentioned your older brothers and and before we started recording here we were talking about one of your brothers uh Joe who plays for the Fulham football club who's a, a premier league uh soccer mm-hmm. club in England so Sounds like you have one hell of an athletic family here. What are what were your pa- are your parents were they athletes? What how how did all you guys get these athletic genes? <laughs> um, I don't know. Joe definitely got seventy five percent of the <laughs> athletic genes, but um, my mum was a swimmer and she plays tennis, and then my dad was just kind of all round. Like he actually, when he was younger, he did run track, but no offense to my dad but like back in the day it wasn't really the same you know <laughs> sure it wasn't like the mondo track surfaces and all yeah. that it was probably yeah. more like gravel uh, and and so looking back on your Akron career how did you get so good was it um was it mostly natural ability was it a lot of practice like how did you get so good at pole vaulting 
<laughs> I, I don't know the complete answer to that, but I think a lot of it is down to Coach Mitchell and his training methods. And obviously, like my previous coaches before I came here, they gave me like a base, which I built on with Coach Mitchell. But I think his method of coaching, which is very laid back and sort of in terms of vaulting, like he just left us to it and he gave input here and there, but he made us into very independent athletes, which I think is what worked for me. Whereas a lot of athletes require a lot more sort of attention, but I prefer the sort of laid back, lead me to it kind of approach. So I think, yeah, a lot of it's down to him and, and his experience too. Like he is, he's been in the game a long time. So when he goes to like major meets and stuff, he knows what to expect. He knows sort of how to handle like the mental side of things. So yeah, it's down to him. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Uh, Lucy, uh, this is the last question I have. And then Sam, if you want to, if you have anything to close out, but this is completely unrelated to Akron. But one thing I always like to ask our guests about, I'm, I'm a big, I, I love food. I love to eat. The, you know, if you think about like the quintessential, like British food, whether it be, you know, fish and chips or, you know, bangers and mash, anything like that. <laughs> is there, is there, if I'm ever in Akron, is there anywhere near campus or around campus where I can go that I could actually get like a proper, like a proper English restaurant where I could get, you know, a full English breakfast or something like that. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned tea and crumpets. Of course. That was, that's all that. <laughs> I had that on my list too, for sure. Um, I don't have an answer for that one. I'm afraid that okay. I haven't, well, my answer would be no, actually. I haven't yet experienced one. However, when I go to like the grocery store, I drive past a place which does advertise fish and chips, but I'm a bit reluctant to try it. I'm a bit scared. Yeah, I got gotcha. okay. you. Know, I'm sure it doesn't compare to what you could get at home. No, just nothing compares to your mum's cooking, does it? It I doesn't. Hear I hear <laughs> for sure. I, I've got two uh, quick questions. So one, um, so I'm, I, I don't know whether you had this preconceived notion of like, the stereotype of Americans? Did we like live up to that? Like, what did you hear about us before coming over? And did you like, did it like meet what people said about us essentially? I don't know if you guys want to hear the answer to that. <laughs> no, I, I kind of do. I, I forgot to, uh, we had Lucas Barrow, an Australian on earlier, and I forgot to ask him since he's coming over what he like, the stereotype <laughs> around Americans is, but I'm, I'm just curious to hear from your perspective. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to put this politely. Um, you might not be <laughs> you don't able have to, to be polite. This. You don't have to be polite. It's all right. But um, you guys definitely have a problem with obesity. Can't we can't we can't yeah, we can't defend yeah, we that. We can't one. argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, yeah, I mean everything. There's like sugar in everything. Like everything. Yeah. Even stuff that doesn't need to be sugar in. But um. It is true, like they say everything's bigger in America, but then everything's even bigger in Texas. <laughs> like yeah, everything, yeah. like me, the meals are very big here, but the cars are even bigger. And then you go to Texas and the cars are even bigger. Okay. And then I've, I've got one, one more uh, like related to Akron, but just unrelated to uh, track and field. So we, we recently did a Mac mascot bracket challenge and uh, Zippy won. And I'm just curious, coming from a Ball State student and Zach, an outsider, why do you guys love Zippy so much? Because we're the only school with a kangaroo. Yeah. 
Yeah, the uniqueness of that. See, that's what I said. Whenever we started this challenge back at the beginning of the bracket a couple weeks ago, I was like, no, there's nobody else can, that can claim a kangaroo as a mascot. I, I think the uniqueness of it is pretty cool. And she's a girl. There you go. Not many which, of those. Which I didn't world. know until this year. I didn't know that until we started this challenge, actually. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> a, a little known zippy fact. Yeah, she's the only kangaroo mascot and she's a woman. There you go. <laughs> the double whammy. Um, well, Lucy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Um, best of luck in, in your, you. your next step you choose, whether it be competing professionally or, or you know, moving into another, another area. We really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Lucy. All right, guys, I think that's going to bring it to a close here for this episode of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. We've made it through 10 episodes. Uh, we're into the double digits. We thank you guys so much for the, your support. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the interviews today with, uh, with Sean Mitchison and Lucy Bryan from Akron. Uh, Sam, uh, any final words of wisdom for uh, our listeners out there? Uh, I don't really bring wisdom much, but I'll, I'll give you some <laughs> words. Uh, shout out once again, as I mentioned, to Zips United for setting us up with not only these interviews, but we may have some more interviews for you guys down the road. Also, hopefully my fantasy football team can get a win. That's what I'm most excited for. And I'm ready to watch some more college football. I hear you there, man. Yeah, we got UAB playing Miami tonight. I'm sure I'll be flipping back and forth between that and the NFL game. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend. We got NFL. We got a full slate. Well, I guess for 2020, a full slate of college football games on Saturday. It's officially football season, guys. Also, uh, when this episode gets posted, be sure to look on Twitter on Friday afternoon for our uh, What If Shin polls for week two, and we'll be posting those box scores on Saturday. Till next week, though, we thank you again for joining us. I am Zach Follador. He is Sam Philman. This has been another episode of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.